Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 51. We are 50 episodes in the window, plus a few of these... Um Plus a few episodes that we did as interview specials or other specials that we haven't counted towards that total. So actually a decent amount over 50. But, you know, the next 50 hopefully will be as good as the ne- as as the last 50 were. We're going to continue to grow the audience, continue to try to come up with new ways to engage with you guys and have a good time. And as always, let us know what you think. Either comments, DMs, however you want to handle it. We'd love to hear some feedback. This episode will model very much like the last episode, very much like we'll do every episode this season. We're going to have a recap of the battle in Raleigh and then a preview of Texas Hate Week looking ahead to the Texas Longhorns. But first, before we get into that, I do want to give a shout out to the Texas Tech women's volleyball team. The ladies are in a bit of a tear lately. They're 11-2. and two. They went quite a while before they even lost. Um something like eight or nine games straight wins, and then they fell to Oral Roberts, and they've also lost to Rice, Rice being their first loss in Houston. They've got wins over Notre Dame, you know, some some different uh, uh, some different programs of varying strength, but it is a good start, and they avoided what is most important in any sport, kind of the bad loss. So great, kudos to the women. Hopefully they continue to build on their NCAA tournament appearance from last year. Obviously, Texas is kind of the big dog in the conference, but it would be really fun to have a women's volleyball team kind of seriously challenge. It's been a while since Tech had one last year, being the best in, I think it was 20 years. So hopefully they can build on from just showing up to the tournament to being kind of a player in the Big 12 and in the tournament. So congratulations, ladies, on their non-conference slate. Uh, They're coming up now on conference play, West Virginia being first. That's in Morgantown. I don't believe that's going to be broadcasted anywhere unless West Virginia broadcasts it. But if it is, we'll try to make sure you guys are aware of that. All right. Heading into the good stuff now on the football side, or should I say bad stuff, which would be Texas Tech's effort against the NC State Wolfpack. Um, NC State being a... I believe they moved up in the rankings to about number 13 or 16. I don't remember which poll they're where anymore. These polls don't matter until we get to the playoff poll, but they're still a highly rated team. Texas Tech would fall in Raleigh 27-14. to Really, the difference in the game being turnovers in this in this in this situation. Tech having three interceptions and a fumbled, a muffed punt. So let's start there first. This is a good segue into kind of the quarterback discussion. Turnovers. Tech's one, committing a bunch, and two, not forcing very many. Jack, how do you, if you're a coach, how do you go about starting to even up, you know, the turnovers for Tech? How do you start to get back into the the black on your turnover margin? I think a big thing that we need to avoid uh, is possibly uh, getting a little too over-aggressive on the defensive side. I think that our defense played phenomenally well in Raleigh. They kept us in the game for all of it. Um, I put out an article today actually about what the offense can do to beat Texas this weekend uh, in lieu of a uh, offensive MVP because I really did not feel like there was one. Um, you know, if you want to talk about turnovers, you know, you take away take away one of take away the fumble, the muff punt, and take away one of the or take away the pick six, and it's a three point game. 
uh, you know, being that NC State ended up kicking a field goal off that uh, muffed punt. But yeah, you know, that's a that's a three point game after that against a you know a top twenty ranked team on the road. Um, don't know about y'all. I didn't see them. I was not that impressed by them. I really was not. Uh, I think they're going to fall a couple times. I think they're a little overrated. Uh, I, th- I think Tech did more to hurt uh, themselves uh, than NC State hurt us. Um, but to answer your question, I think you have to kind of get out there and and with whoever is at quarterback, uh, you need to start with some quick throws uh, that you know are going to be open. The ones that, that work against the coverage and practice that week, you know, get some quick for sure where – uh, where whoever, like I said, whoever is back there only has to make one or two reads and get some quick completions, get that confidence back. Um, I think that uh, I, I really liked what Joey McGuire said and uh, when they asked him in the presser uh, if he <laughs> wondered what his quarterbacks learned after this past week's game, and he said not to throw it to the other team. So I think that... Um, Man, if you could just limit some of those turnovers, some of the some of the picks were really bad, um, and, and I don't want to harp on those too much. But um, I think it was it was like a fourth down. It was the fourth and one, I think, wasn't it? Where they where he threw a pick, and there was just no one there. There was no one in a white jersey even remotely close, and uh, just a really bad pick. And that might have been the one they picked sixth. I can't even remember, but. Um, Basically, I would like to see a lot more uh, quick throws in the passing game, but I would also like to see Tech establish the run game. Uh, the run game was not used near enough in this one against North Carolina State, it, and it's really embarrassing. You had a guy in Taj Brooks that ran uh, 17 times for about 80 yards against what is supposed to be a really good run defense in Houston, and you only give him four carries against North Carolina State, and you only got four yards on four carries. Um, that's not good enough, and that's not going to cut it. Uh, I'd like to see both Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks get more carries, but in the passing game, I'd like to establish the quick passes, uh, one or two reads at the most, uh, and, and let's get that confidence back under the belt. Kendall, we were this, the whole reason to start with turnovers is, is to lead into the quarterback discussion. So I want to get your take on it. Jack's kind of given his read on how do you establish your quarterback in a game. Let's now look at just the quarterbacks that we've seen. We have Baron Morton, Donovan Smith, Tyler Shucks. Return time is still not settled, but it is not going to be for another week or two at the minimum. Um, we'll see. I think that I've heard maybe West Virginia or Oklahoma State he could be back. So we're a few weeks out from him being back in a picture we got two guys. We know what Donovan Smith can do. We don't really know what Baron Morton can do. We don't see practice reps. His actions have been super limited. And against last night, it was largely just against to prevent defense and panic scramble time. Um, but it does beg the question, has Donovan Smith done enough to satisfy you know, the, the criteria of keeping the job? Or should we re-engage the quarterback battle? Or should we, you know, outright say, look, we've seen what Donovan can do. Why not turn the ball over to Morton? How should the coaches handle this quarterback situation? Uh, I think that really, so going into the season, we looked at the whole quarterback battle. We were all like kind of under the impression that it was all three were kind of even with each other. And so Donovan really kind of got thrown into the fire when he uh, 
for the second straight season now and our hardest two matchups with uh, Houston and NC State for our non-conference, like, very early. But I he has struggled. And last year, Donovan's biggest thing, the thing he was good at, was he didn't turn the ball over a lot. And now he's kind of getting a little almost turnover prone. But I personally don't think it's time to go to Morton just yet because in the time – I would be a little different on that if in the time that Morton has came in, like against Murray State and uh, in that garbage time stuff against NC State, if he would have shown a little more and been able to really get us up the field and score, um, I would have felt a little more comfortable saying, let's give Morton a shot. But I feel like, uh, you know, he's had a pick in each of those appearances. And um, I feel like the pick against NC State just wasn't, a very good play at all. But uh, I think they'll definitely ride with Donovan this game. And if we see the same type of struggles, we could see more and much earlier. Um, I I think one thing that does need to be like kind of talked about, NC State going into the season, um, while I do think their offense was fairly overrated, their defense was on a lot of people's lists as a top 10 defense coming into the season and last season they were phenomenal and this year they're that much better they really didn't lose much so I'm not really weighing that much on you know how bad our offense played um against that defense because they're a very talented group their defensive line is very good they gave our offensive line hell um they're very good at forcing turnovers which we saw you know we did shoot ourselves in the foot but also that's just kind of what their defense makes you do so I'm not too worried I think that, uh, you know, Donovan just needs to kind of settle down. If He um, he needs more time in the pocket, too. That's a big thing. Um, I think if he gets more time, he'll have uh, a lot better opportunities to really succeed. But, um, yeah, I think that I'm pretty confident in the way that our quarterbacks look right now, but um, just need to cut down on the turnovers like you guys have kind of said. But other than that, I think we're fine. Let's be clear from the jump with this conversation is that it's going to be Donovan Smith who starts. I, I do not see a scenario in which you list him first on the depth chart, you say what Joey McGuire said in press conferences, and then not start him. However, and this is where it gets kind of interesting, having two quarterbacks is bad. It, it's it's the oldest football truism ever. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And that's true in this instance. Um, having two guys that you're going to be rotating in and out is not good. So the fact that Joey McGuire is hinting that you're going to see that does tell me that the leash is shortening on Donovan Smith because you're not going to rotate Baron Morton in and out. He's going to take the job. You know, that's what's going to happen. They're going to put him out there for a series. If he does well, it'll be his. So that's kind of where we stand. But it will be Donovan Smith to start. I would bet large sums of money on that. Here's my problem with Donovan Smith, and this is one you touched on. It's not the fact that he's inconsistent with his reads. It's not the fact that he clearly does not have the high-level accuracy and arm talent that Tyler Shuck has. The, 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 the simplest problem is, is that you know he's inconsistent. That's also true. But the, the, the biggest problem he has is he's turning the ball over like crazy. You cannot turn it over two to three times a game. You will lose every game in Big 12 play, including Kansas and West Virginia, doing that. You will lose every single game. 
It will not be close. You will get blown out of a lot of them if you are turning the ball over with that level of frequency. It just isn't going to work to do it this way. You've got to protect the football. At the purest essence, the game is pretty simple. If you protect the football, you would give your team the best opportunity to win. We didn't do that Saturday night. That cost Tech the game. You know, those interceptions came at critical times and straight up gave NC State the win on top of the muff punt. The other side of these things are the things I've already mentioned. He's inconsistent. He's never strung together successful drives. The last few weeks, it'd be good drive, bad drive, good drive, bad drive. Number two, he's he clearly lacks the touch on his ball that Tyler Shuck has. Every ball looks like a challenge for the receivers to get. Very few are crisp or leading their guys. And there is zero touch on the deep ball. Absolutely none. And that kills a lot of your offense, the fact that Tech can't go long. But he's flashed moments. There's been some great moments when he's rolled out of the pocket, when he's on the move, when he's not thinking so much, which you can really see that the, the ability that got him his scholarship at Texas Tech. What f- drives me insane is that Kitley insists on making him a pocket passer. You have got to roll him out. Roll him out. Get him on the move. He thinks better on his feet. Simplify the game for a guy who does not, right now, look like he's reading defenses very well. Like I, he, he, it, it was very apparent during some of these plays that he's just not seeing the field right. So okay, that's fine. He's still learning. He's a young quarterback. Very few starts under his belt. He's still picking up the game. Okay, but his best weapon are when he's not overthinking it. When he gets out of the pocket. When he makes a play with his feet. So that's what we got to get him to do. That's what we have to get to the posi- position him to do. But I'm of the opinion that you go to Baron Morton. I I, I just, look, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We have seen exactly one full game of successful quarterback play from Donovan Smith, and that was when he came in to Iowa State and nobody knew what to expect. Against Mississippi State, you guys may not remember this, he was not good in that first half. Tech's offense was stagnant for a lot of that game, and then thanks to Mississippi State's injuries and some other factors, Tech just pulled away late and he looked much better. He, he had a great second half. Wasn't good for almost the entire game against Houston. Was bad all night outside of one drive last night. Just, you know, like, what, what, at what point do we say, we've seen what this guy can do, let's give anybody else a shot with the ones, and just find out. Maybe Morton can't do it. And yeah, I know, well, you want to protect his confidence. I understand all that. But at some point, you do have to accept that it's just not working. And Tech cannot waste what is a fantastic defense. And that's where I want to go to next, Jack. The defense ate alive Devin Leary. And ate alive the Wolfpack as a unit. Really, outside of one long drive in the third quarter, they were completely stopped for the for the majority of the game. Um, what What's impressed you the most about the defense so far? I think, for me, we knew that they had the experience. We knew, uh, you know, they had... Uh, the ability but for me it's been the secondary the secondary has played i mean after that first game you know they let up one or two deep balls and after that it hasn't been an issue again and it was it was really interesting because in that presser after the game both mcguire and deruder said we got caught looking in the backfield it's gonna get fixed and it has it's been fixed um daydream taylor demerson is playing out of his mind um, this unit's only going to get better when Adrian Fry comes back. Um, I just think it's been a real nice thing to see uh, just a defense actually striving to uh, improve. 
uh, Tyree Wilson's been playing great. Krishan Merriweather's been playing great. We knew that those guys would play great. Uh, Merriweather in the linebacking core and Wilson on the edge. But And we knew, and let's be honest, we knew that Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford Jr. were going to play well uh, uh, also. Uh, we thought Philip Bleedy might show up, and he's outplayed his expectations so far in my mind uh so the line's been playing well the linebackers have been playing well um linebacker depth is going to be tested this is something we discussed earlier uh in the year that linebacker depth might be an issue and with Bryce Ramirez going down for the rest of the year that will definitely be an issue Uh, I think we need to uh we're gonna have to see some true depth at the linebacker position now that Bryce Ramirez is uh out for the year um but for me, in my mind, the, the, the group that's been stellar or that's really uh, impressed me the most so far has been the uh, defensive backs. Yeah, the, Malik Dunlap was maybe, arguably, Tyree Wilson's going to draw the headlines with the sacks and the pressure with good reason. Malik Dunlap was maybe the best player in that game um, from either team. The four pass breakups, every time NC State seemed to want to do something great, he was there to break it up. And it, he seemed to take it personal against his, his former team, which is what you want to see. Play with a bit of your chip on your shoulder. You know, they ran him out of town. You know, and he, he definitely, I think, had him wishing a bit that he had stayed by the end of that game. You mentioned something earlier. I'm not sure about NC State either, but what I do know is, is that Devin Leary is a very good quarterback, and that offense is stagnant. With all, But with all due respect to everybody else, any other Tech defense in the past 10 years would have given up 350 yards to, to Devin Leary. This would have been a game that launched NC State's offense back on its proper trajectory. You know, that that's just how it would have goes. To hold a quarterback to 120 passing yards was a fantastic effort. And yeah, NC State's struggling. I, I don't think they're as good as we thought they were going to be. That's a very good defensive unit, but that offense has a lot of problems. But, you know, the coverage was absolutely outstanding. They continue to get better week to week. They continue to improve week to week, which is the most surprising thing. It felt like last year and in previous years, the defense just was what it was. Never got any better, and it sometimes regressed. So the fact that we're seeing marked improvement every week and what these guys are able to do is a great sign because that's what you want. Um, I, I, I was most impressed, though, by the, 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 the linebacking core. You know, you lose Ramirez, and they still, again, outside that one long third-down drive, they really contained the NC State rushing attack, especially late in the game when they were trying to ice it. You know, the, the questionable clock management kind of let the clock bleed away, but they really did only give up like one or two first downs late. Um, they put your they gave your offense time and time again an opportunity to score, and they just never capitalized. And a lot of that was on the backs of the, D, the linebacker core. As you mentioned, depth is becoming a big factor. Dimitri Moore's being banged up. Ramirez is done for the year. I don't think we'll see him for the rest of the season. You know, there, there's injury. The more those injuries stack up, the more that unit's going to get tested. But so far, they've answered the challenge that, you know, we laid out in our previews this year that's going to be the that was the question mark of this defense looks like we have an answer and that's the thing these guys can flat play um kendall i'm going to go to you with kind of one one of our final questions of the recap let's look take a look back on the offensive side of the ball and look outside the quarterback play um jack kind of mentioned this and i want to touch on this topic which is the run game and i my question is this you've got a backup quarterback no matter who you go with should Zach Kitley set aside his kind of air right identity and focus more on trying to run Donovan Smith and manufacture a run game with Thompson? 
and Brooks, or is it just reality of the situation is the offensive line isn't allowing them to get in a push? You know, what's what needs to be done? Should we just be changing our identity to make this work until Shuck gets back? Or do we have to kind of just live of what we are? Um, I Well, on that last part, I mean, I don't really know that our offense knows who they are yet because, you know, there's been inconsistent play calling, you know, like, so Brooks and Thompson only getting 13 combined carries this weekend in a game that was, you know, for, for the most part, it was within reach and like it, you didn't have to stray away from the run game like big time like they did. Um, I feel that I don't necessarily know that we need to switch up like off of the this variation of the air raid, but like the Houston game, you saw at least Brooks was still getting his touches and if you're not going to get your running backs touches out of the backfield, do whoever's in a quarterback, do them a favor and, you know, get the ball in Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson's hands out of the backfield, even if that's off a short dump off pass. Like we have, pro- like we've been saying all uh, summer that we have one of the most talented running back rooms, not only in the conference, but in the nation. So like you need to use these two running backs because they're, probably your two best skill position players that you have on your roster. So I'm not saying that we need to start, you know, if the run's not there, just find different ways to get the ball in their hands because, like, that's where Tech's offense is going to be most successful is when they have the ball because our receivers, you know, our receivers are starting, they look much better than they did at this point last year. We have guys that have stepped up, um, different guys, like it seems like just a more well-rounded unit than it was last season, but still our best playmakers are Thompson and Brooks. And I don't think that's going to change besides maybe miles price. Um, so if they're not gonna, you know, I would like to see both of those dudes get double digit carries if possible, but if our offensive line doesn't allow that, then get them into open field with even some swing passes Maybe like I'm not necessarily a bunch of screens because I don't think our offensive line can set those up great. But if we can get just, you know, dump off passes, get them in open space, I think that that's going to help our offense open up and look a lot better because then you kind of also keep the defense honest and then you can take your shots with Smith and or Morton. We have two really good running backs and I understand what Kitley's seen and I keep I've read articles. I've seen people talk about this. The, the running backs are being met largely at the line of scrimmage. They're being met at the line of scrimmage, and that is causing them to be hit in the backfield. And that's it, resulting in a lot of these kind of first down runs, second down runs, going a lot of nowhere. But here's the thing, right? Like, offensive line play is what it is. But here, but Sir Roger Thompson, despite being met in the backfield a few times, still averaged four yards a carry. Brooks against Houston averaged over four yards a carry. The backs are good enough to overcome that. Your quarterback can't overcome the fact that he may not have time to throw on any given play, right? Like, I thought, by the way, I want to say this now, I thought the offensive line was improved last night. There were a couple moments where they didn't look good, but they largely handled the base defense, The and they picked up some of the more exotic blitzes. Um, obviously, Jacoby Jackson filling in relief was not good. Um, and the left side of the offensive line as a whole is a massive liability. Uh, right coming back this coming week is a huge, 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 huge plus to there. You can help, help shore that out because that was the thing. 
I'm going to touch on it in a second, but some of the play calling set up your run game to fail. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that Sir Archie Thompson hit in the backfield. He may still find a way to get three yards. Brooks' yard yards after contact is ridiculous. Give these guys a chance. In a game in which Tech could not, Tech had 215 passing yards under Donovan Smith. Through the ball, I believe I saw the number was 32 times with him. 215 yards. 32 passes. We ran the ball 13 times total. Somebody make these numbers make sense to me because we pay Kitley a lot of money, right? Like, I got lit up last week for doubting Zach Kitley's play calling. But I, I think everybody should be doubting now. That This this has just looked – this has been maddening how inconsistent the play calling's been. He's a young OC. I expect it to get better, but this is two weeks in a row in which it hasn't been there. And it's time that we start asking the question, you know, like why are we so insistent on throwing the damn ball so much when we struggle to protect and it's not working? Right? It wasn't working against NC State. They ate us alive. I think Donovan's completion percentage on the game, let me verify this real quick. You know, I think we, we, we're looking at a, a completion percentage had, of. It was, it was 36 attempts. 36 attempts. He was 21 for 36. So, you know, we're, we're talking about like a sub 60% completion percentage. And by the way, for those of you at home wondering, that's about six yards per uh, uh, attempt. That's, that's, that's about what that equals to, what we were completing. So even when we were completing passes, it was mostly short. So we can't get anything going downfield. And we have running backs who are really doing their job and taking care of business, and we're just not willing to give them the ball. Um, I'm not saying we're going to suddenly stop being an air raid team. That's not going to happen. And I'm not saying Kitley's 100% responsible for this. He's dealt with a backup quarterback and a pretty bad offensive line. You can't overcome that all through scheme. But what I am saying is that we seem to be taking the ball out of our best players. And Kendall brings up an amazing point I want to get to. The number one thing that we should be doing in these situations is running screens, and the offensive line has not successfully blocked a screen once. That's killing us. right? I know nobody wants to return to the Davis-Yost era, but you know what What would have burned NC State when they sent eight, nine guys at us? Screen behind them. But the offensive line can't block it. They can't block it up. They're horrible out in space. So, you know, I... There's blame to go all around, but I think that the end of the day, there needs to be a serious discussion in the locker room about, hey, let's give the ball to our best players. And right now on offense, that's your one, your receivers who are making great plays. And two, it's the running backs. And one of those two groups aren't getting the ball anywhere near enough. Jack, I'm going to give you the final word on the NC State game before we get into previewing Texas with one final question, which is this. You went on the road. You competed hard. What's the big positive to take away from this game? You know, there's a lot of negative when you lose. What's the positive to take away? You know, I think I already touched on it. Um, You take away a muff punt and a pick six that should not have happened, and you're three points out of this game. Uh, That's a huge positive for a first-year head coach, first-year coaching staff uh, on the road at a tough – let's not – beat around the bush it was a tough environment uh raleigh was a was a great they showed up uh for nc state and you know that's that's the way that their fans are known and they their reputation preceded them uh but you were in this game uh you could have won this game if you really want to get into it this was really a game that was winnable um but it didn't happen and I think the one thing you can take away from this is that you were two scores down from a ranked opponent on the road when everything that could have possibly gone wrong 
on offense and special teams went wrong. You had three, four turnovers. Um, you know, the special teams was lackluster. It was really poor, if we're going to be honest, if we want to get into that. But you're still only 13 points. I mean, that's I've, we've seen a lot worse uh, when things didn't go wrong from past Tech teams. So I think the the main point to take away is that you had pretty much everything go wrong on two out of the three sides of the ball, and you still were within two scores. So that's a positive. And with new coaches, it's going to take some time, uh, but I think this is a positive learning experience for everyone. We now move on. We, we have to look forward to a extremely important game for any number of reasons. It's Texas. It may be the last time we play Texas. It's the start of Big 12 play. It's the Big 12 home opener. It's McGuire's first game against Texas. It's right after a loss. This is an important game. Don't undersell this. I want to say this. You started the season exactly as you had to. 2-1. and one. We talked about this during the preseason. Everybody's been talking about this. 2-1 and one was always kind of, you know, quote-unquote, the goal. And you did that here. You did that. So let, let's be clear here. You are in good position. But the game that you play now is as important as any you'll have all year. Because the schedule doesn't get any easier. Texas is looking like a team that is much better than I thought they were going to be. The offensive line's been a lot stouter. Um, they took care of business against UTSA in the second half, leaning on their extremely, extremely talented running back, B. John Robinson. Roshan Johnson also averaged almost eight yards a carry. He was at seven and a half. Um, B. John averaged nine yards a carry on 20 carries. Hudson Carr on the flip side of this was not good. You know, he, he didn't really get his name called that much. He was okay. 15 for 2,361 yards against UTSA. One touchdown, no interceptions. He added another 35 on the ground. That's a dangerous weapon of his. He can scramble. Texas is going to run the ball at you if Hudson Card's the quarterback. They're going to do it even if he's not. If Quinn Ewers is back, though, it'll be a more balanced attack. But again, bringing a guy back off an of injury and plunging him right into his first road test seems like a lot. I'm I'm expecting it to be Hudson Card. We'll see, though. I, I we'll, we'll see later in the week um, how that goes. But you're going to get a heavy, heavy dose of the running game. Texas also nearly knocked off Alabama. We all watched that game. You know, it, it, it was a, a very impressive performance from Texas's offensive line and their defensive line. They brought pressure, and they kept pressure off of Quinn Ewers and then Hudson Card. Um, the Horns are coming in this confident, and they're coming in this as a favorite which is unusual for any team coming into Lubbock this early in the year to be a, a pretty heavy favorite. But if Quinn Ewers is announced as a quarterback, you could see that line grow to 10 to 12 points. No no problem at all. So let's start really digging into Texas now. Kendall, I'll go to you first. I mentioned it before, but the running backs are obviously the big to pick picture for Texas. Who else on this team that isn't a running back should, should Tech be looking out for to make a significant impact? Um. Well... I mean, they kind of have – I think their passing game is really just like a plethora of guys. Uh, you know, they obviously have uh, Worthy out there. But other than him, um, it's really kind of – it's been spread out through their first couple of games. Uh, you have Whittington, who all got four catches last week. Um, and But a lot of their pass game also involves their running backs too. Um, I really – 
outside of Worthy, Robinson, and Johnson, with Hudson Card back there, I'm really not – there's not too many other people that have stood out on their offense, quite honestly. Um, like, when Ewers went out in that Bama game, their offense became very stagnant. Um, and even then, uh, the only guy that really made a big impact other than Worthy, Robinson, and Johnson was uh, – Whittington for them. So I think you kind of hit the nail on the head talking about who they're focused on. And everyone, everyone in the Big 12 knows that. Anyone that watches Texas knows that their running game is going to be their bread and butter. But it's even more so with uh, Ewers out. They just, to me, they haven't had any weapons really break out. Now to say that they don't have any other weapons um, I, I'm not going to say that because, you know, it's Texas. They're going to have the talent. And they are going to have plenty of receivers that can do something. But to this point, they just haven't had anyone that's really stood out outside of those guys. Um, but I think that the big uh, thing for them is really just going to be assuming somehow, because I saw Ewers was back at practice, but, like, I'm assuming Card's playing. If it's Card back there – um, the biggest thing for our defense is just gonna make Hudson Card make plays against our defense, especially with how good they've been. Um, just make him play, make him really do, uh, make like more over the top plays than what he would really have to, because that is gonna be our best opportunity to really, um, attack them. If you take Bijan. And Johnson, like you're not going to take them out of the game, but if you can put the ball into Card's hands more and make them make them even pass it to Robinson and Johnson, you're going to have more success than you are if you just let them continue to run it. So, I think that um, our top focus obviously needs to be slowing down the run game, but then just making Hudson Card kind of beat us this week. You mentioned Xavier Worthy. This is the guy I think Tech needs to look out for the most. Um, and the reason being is because if Tech is suspect on the back end in any way, it's against that, that one-off deep ball. We saw that last night with the trick play. They lost track of a man. We saw that against Houston a few times. Dale got behind them. Um, we saw that quite a few times against Murray State. They seem to have fixed a lot of the problems from that game, but Xavier Worthy's the guy Texas is going to count on to get behind you. If Hudson Card's the quarterback, I don't think he can get him the ball, but he may get one off. He's not a, a bad backup. He's a serviceable backup, but he's certainly less of a threat with his arm. Xavier Worthy is also just good with the ball in his hand. Um, Jordan Whitney always seems to get open. He's another guy that you talked about. And then don't undersell the importance of Roshan Johnson, right? You know, like I, I mentioned that it wasn't supposed to be a back, but Roshan Johnson also very, very good. Um, and one of the things about having that one-two punch for Texas is that Johnson is very good with the ball in his hands as a receiver. He had three catches for 23 yards. That's a weapon in and of itself. Bijan only had the one catch. They don't use him quite as much to just throw it out because he's so good on the ground. But Roshan Johnson is a guy that they like to move out of the pocket 
pocket to get matchups. So as a non-running back, you know, weapon, when he's, you know, rolled out or motioned out or just they just run him out of the backfield, your linebackers are going to be up against him. Um, he had almost as many te- catches as anybody on Texas's team. He's he's a, a security blanket for Hudson Card and checkdowns. Um, you know, so that is something to watch. Those three guys in, in the passing game are something to watch. If Quinn Ewers is the quarterback, expect a lot more vertical passing game. If it's Hudson Card, it'll be a lot more dink and dunk and hand the ball off. Um, you know, they ran the ball 36 times against UTSA. I expect a similar breakdown against Tech. Um, I don't think they're going to test Tech secondary that often, not when it's looking as confident as it is, not when it's got the pass rushers it has. But we'll see who plays in that game. Jack, I'm going to go to you now to talk about Texas's defense. They held UTSA to 20 points. Obviously, we saw the woes Alabama had. What's impressed you about Texas' defense to start? Well, you, you talked about it. You touched on it a bit. Uh, they're really good at getting pressure in. Um, I think this is going to be the key matchup in this game. Uh, I, I think on both sides of the ball for Tech, it's going to be this game is won or lost in the trenches. Uh, I, I think this game really comes down to uh, can your offensive line hold up against their D-line and can your D-line stop their run game? Uh, I would honestly, just to touch on what y'all said about Texas's offense, I, I would expect, honestly, I'm if Hudson Card is the quarterback, I'm guessing that they run it even more against us than they did against UTSA. I'm expecting close to 40 carries on the ground. Um, y'all have to remember, this is the same coaching staff that coached against Tech last year, um, and that absolutely, they gashed us on the ground, and, it, and through the air too, but on the ground and it was just it was just a miserable day in Austin but um defensively you have some guys that I want to talk about um Jalen Ford at linebacker uh DeMarvion Overshone Overshone is gonna sit in the first half of this one because of a targeting um at least as of right now um Sark has appealed to the Big 12 his first half suspension for this one, so we'll see. They'll get a ruling on that later in the week. Um, I did see a replay of the targeting. I'm going to be honest, looking at it from a non-tech fan point of view, uh, it it was a weak call. Uh, I would be pissed if anyone from tech got called for that, so uh, I'll be honest. It it was a weak targeting call. I would honestly expect overshone in the first half. I, I think that with Texas and uh, we know how much, how good their friends are in the conference office, I would not be shocked to see his suspension get overturned and him be able to play the whole game. Um, their linebackers are good, really good. Um, and the thing, another thing about their defense, um, their DBs uh, make tackles in space. Uh, a lot of a lot of the stuff that we mentioned, the good that we mentioned about uh, our running backs, Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks, is that you know they can often make that first guy miss, and if they're if for some reason our running game is on point and we're not getting contacted until eight nine yards down the field, it's going to be tough to make those linebackers and DBs miss. They don't miss very often. Um, and granted, while the sack numbers as a team don't show up very well, I think they have like six on the year uh, through three games. Uh, I think a lot of that is not indicative to their defense. I think they have a lot of tackles for loss and, 
to me, this is a defense that uh, is much improved from last year for sure, and and it starts in their in their second level. Uh, you know, they a lot of their pressure that they get is blitzing linebackers and mixing up coverages. Uh, even once again, kind of bringing in a nickel and uh, blitzing a safety here or there as well. So this is definitely going to be a team that. Um, almost kind of does what Tech does on defense in a way, mixing up coverages, uh, sending safeties on blitzes now and again, sending a lot, a lot of linebacker blitzes here and there, uh, especially if Tech's trying to establish that running game like we talked about with uh, with backup quarterback in. Uh, I would expect a lot of linebacker blitzes in this one. Um, and, I, again, for, for those that are looking for names to watch, uh, Jalen Ford and Overshone, uh on that linebacking core are, are the first guys you want to look out for. Yeah, I think what has impressed me the most about Texas so far is I think we all kind of suspected they would be not great against the ground game. UTSA's pretty balanced offense, but a decent rushing attack, and they really kept them more or less in check. I mean, the, Frank Harris is a very mobile quarterback. He ran the ball 10 times, only averaged 3.8 per carry. Brendan Brady got 21 carries. He only managed 70 yards. I mean, they, they, this was a good, pretty physical UTSA team, and they really pushed him around. Um, I still think the weakness of Texas is going to be the ground game, which does not help Tech too much if they don't really go to it, but I still think that's the weakness. What's kind of the most impressive, at least so far to me about Texas, is that they just look tougher. Um, In the past, the complaint from year one under Sark was they didn't look very tough. They look tough this year. They got six sacks on the year. That's not, you know, something I think most of us kind of thought they'd have. I think most of us expected they might struggle a little bit. And they've they've just been so... sound in in their first games they forced two picks um they forced two fumbles tech has kind of turnover trouble as we've noted so there's just so much pressure on tech to up against this texas defense i think houston was the best defensive line tech will play i think nc state was the best secondary tech will play texas just is a pretty good defense and surprisingly so i don't think most of us thought that they would be this good this fast defensively um if overshone doesn't play in the first half which as jack mentioned probably going to get overturned by the league office but we'll see if he doesn't play in the first half that's texas's that's Texas, excuse me best chance to take advantage overshone is the heart and soul of that defense he has 23 total tackles on the year that's second on the team he was their leading tackler against utsa he's a guy that they really put into all kinds of situations he generates a lot of pressures he has a pass defense on the year kind of unusual for for a linebacker he's just he is their you know defenses have leaders they have their you know a lot of teams it's you know your mike linebacker he is the leader of that defense if he does not play in the first half tech cannot start slow they got to take advantage of that but we'll see they've got some really talented guys on this team uh, there's not necessarily overwhelming defensive ability anywhere, but they play as a unit and they play together and it's very deep. You know, NC State, all the strength of that team's in that secondary. That defensive line didn't do snot all game. Um, but the, the the real the real thing about that makes Texas so tough defensively is they are just kind of a solid unit. At least they have looked so so far. I've got I think Bama have played a pretty bad game and didn't look very prepared. 
UTSA doesn't have Texas's talent on the road. This is their first true road game. We'll learn a lot about Texas in this game, but they are playing with confidence and they're playing tough, and it's going to be a tough matchup for Tech. Um, we're going to flip now to what Tech needs to do against Texas defense, and I think I want to highlight um, one area in particular, which is the tight end. And I'm going to go just kind of open this up to whoever wants to take it. But what does Tech need to do to get the tight end involved? And how can we start manufacturing these touches for the big guys? Um, I'll kind of start with this one. I just think that um, the most effective way to get a tight end involved in any type of offense uh, is just kind of – to me, just having them go up the seam and eventually you're going to catch them in zone and there's going to be openings. Tech, to me, it's happened in the past and it's happening now. Like They just haven't been great at scheming their tight ends open or just kind of putting them in good situations to make them a threat. And I think the best way to do that is just to get them going up the seam, whether that's if you line them up in the slot or – have them off come off the line either way um i think the best possible way is just get them going up against linebackers or safeties that because either the safeties are going to be smaller and uh not as like big to contest catches in coverage or you have your uh linebackers and our tight ends against linebackers would be just unfair to me with how big our guys are like he is like our tight ends are all three of them that we could see out there, they're just so much bigger than uh, I'd say a lot of people like across the big 12. I think we have some of the biggest tight ends out there and there's a lot of talent there too. Um, I think that we have, I haven't seen enough of just our tight ends kind of going up the seam, but also just like even shorter routes too would work. But um I think the most effective way is really attacking that seam in the middle of their defense because uh, Jack said, like Jack did say, they have some very good linebackers, but also I just think that um, eventually things will open up. And especially when their defense has had some issues with other tight ends, uh, I think that just anything scheming them open. There's a lot of different things that can work, but the most effective thing is going to be attacking that seam. Jack, why don't you weigh in? What else you got on the tight end front? Well, I think that in in my mind, I, I want to see more of the tight end, and I want to see more of it on a play-action style type thing. Uh, it can never hurt, especially with a line that's been struggling to have those tight ends uh, down there just to give you another – blocker i mean right this o-line has been kind of struggling at times uh, especially more recently so like i mean we've we've touched on it um you know a a play action off i mean keeping a tight end down there as an extra blocker uh even in the run game helps but then you know that opens up a massive amount of plays to run play action if you're really hitting that run game hard And, and i you know kendall kendall's right our our tight ends have more size than any other tight end group in the in the conference, possibly the country. Um, and I'll take size any day. Uh, if if you're if you're 
a struggling quarterback, what more do you want than a huge 6'8", 6'9", 250 body to be going up for balls and catching them? Uh, there's not much that I'd rather see in the middle of, of the field than someone who can climb a ladder up to 10, 11 feet off the ground to, to get a pass. Um, that's, that's just something that uh, would probably be comforting to whoever's playing quarterback and comforting to whoever's playing running back also i mean it, you mean but you got to remember these guys are getting these guys are getting hit hard too on these uh broken line on these broken blocks you know so an extra blocker that you could turn into a play action and like kendall mentioned attacking the seam i i i don't know why you wouldn't have a linebacker on the field in 85% of the offensive plays this week Yeah, I think part of what's been so surprising is how many times Tech has just gone true empty, you know, played played five down and gone five wide. Um, they blocked better in these situations against NC State. NC State a lot of the time was content to let Tech do that. And then weirdly enough, Donovan Smith just stood in the pocket, did make a read and took a sack um, instead of running or doing anything else. So, But I, I've been surprised by how limited we've gotten our tight ends involved, how limited they've been in moving them around. But yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is why not leave them in as extra help to block, if nothing else? You know, if It does not matter how many receivers you run downfield if the line collapses in you know a second. So I, I haven't understood the tight end use at all. It's one of the many questions I've got about what Kitley's doing. Um, like I said, he's a young offensive coordinator. He's getting more film every week. I'm hoping he makes his adjustment. Um, <clears throat> now what we're going to talk about is something a little bit different, which is the special teams. I, we normally don't touch on special teams, but the, the, there have been some major issues for Tech and really every phase, which is surprising considering Austin McNamara is kind of your all-American punter. But I want to point out that you now have had a muff punt, multiple missed field goals, multiple shanked punts. So, Jack, what I want to ask you just to real briefly touch on is um, – Let's look at the return situation first. Coach McGuire said today he wants to see his guys return the ball unless it's 2-3 deep in the end zone and in the punt returning situation that, you know, and kick returning, they seem to be a block away. Should Tech just get more conservative with this since they clearly don't have a return man, or do we just have to trust that the coaches are seeing something we're not? I think this is the real uh, first thing that Joey McGuire said that I just disagree with completely. Um you know, I don't have the film that they do after that game. And in the presser today, he talked when he was mentioning that he said that on multiple times they were one, they're one guy away from busting big returns. Isn't that what you're always going to say as a return? Oh man, if that one guy didn't get me, I was gone. That's what that's what you said in fourth grade. That's what you said in high school. And here's the deal for me. Our return game has been terrible. It's been atrocious. There have been times where we have taken the ball out of the end zone and gotten to the 15, maybe. And with the way the line has been playing, I think you have to ask for every advantage that you can possibly get. So I'm t- I'm the I'm telling my guys that if it's inside the five yard line, uh, you're fair catching it, and we're taking the ball at the 25, and we're calling it a day. I I think that. You know, all this, you know, we're one guy away. Well, 
until I see one go the distance, I I just don't really know uh, how I feel about that. I didn't like his response to the timeouts either, for what it's worth. But this answer really upset me uh, because it just doesn't make any sense, right? Like we haven't had a good return all year. Even when Adrian Fry was returning the ball, it looked shaky. And then we try every time. I don't think we made it back to the twenty-five more than one time on a kick return. We do not have dangerous returners. We are not one guy away. Every kick return is one guy away, and that just because if one person screws up their assignment on the coverage team, you have a lane. So I understand that, but we don't actually have dangerous returners. There's no Kiki QT back there. You know, there, there, there's no Jakeem Grant back there. We do not have the return, man. I'm with you on this one. I, I don't know what McGuire's seen. I think part of this, though, and I will say this, while it did kind of upset me to have a, a coach kind of defend what seems to be a pretty questionable strategy, it does say... Um, um, it does say something about his confidence in his special teams coach. He believes that he's going to get it right. So it's a young staff with you know a lot of trust in each other. So I like that, but I don't understand why you you, you feel the need to try to, to, to justify a strategy that's not working. Um, it, if it's if it's not working, don't do it. Right? Like it's not. We are three games in a year. There is no more. Well, we're one guy away. You you played. You are as good as you're going to get on the special team side. And we know that the kicker situation is a little shaky. We hope that Austin McNamara shakes off some of those bad punts and starts booming it again. But we cannot have this uncertainty in the kick game. And a lot of it's because these guys are trying too hard to make a play happen that just isn't there. They, We don't, you know the expression, they are that guy. They aren't that guy. We don't have the return you're back there. We don't have it. So stop trying to force it. And that's one of the things I think, I don't remember who tweeted. It might have been you, Jack, who tweeted about this with that... Um, the short yardage turnover on downs with that NC State turn into, I think, another three points, you know, being as something like the staff's got to learn better situational awareness. This is something you learn situational awareness. The statistics are screaming at you not to bring it out of the end zone, to take the free yards. Don't put yourself behind the eight ball. Your offense needs help. And I think it's something McGuire's going to see more in film and realize he just he's going to have to tell these guys to wave at their hand. I mean, I, I think unless unless they short the kick, let it bounce in the end zone. Right, like unless they're significantly short to kick, don't take it. We don't have the returner. We don't have the return team, and that's that's you know I'm happy to be wrong here. Maybe they'll take one back against Texas, right? You know, McGuire seems to be making that a point of emphasis that he wants to see him go. Maybe they'll take one back. That'd be awesome. But until, like Jack said, until we actually see it happen. There's no sense in continuing to pretend that we have a dangerous returner. Adrian Fry was not a good punt returner. Um, Hokut is not a good punt returner. Uh, Martinez is not a good kick returner. And that's okay. Not every team has a dangerous return man. You know, Nathan Dells don't grow on trees. That's that's kind of a unique kind of a skill to, to have a guy who can take it back. Or, Tur- you know, Turpin for the Cowboys. Like, that, that kind of guy isn't just out there for anyone. Jakeem Grants aren't floating around. So it's time to move on from that philosophy. And that's I, I can live with the timeout management. I didn't really like his answer, but I can understand it. I can respect what he's thinking. I don't get this one at all. This is something the coaching staff is just going to have to learn to give up on. Um, if it's bus one, great. Otherwise, take your fair catch, take your free yards. Now we're gonna we're gonna head into the close of our show to kind of give your sense of the game. I, I started this with Jack last week, which is a more expanded prediction, give a little bit more feedback. So I'm gonna ask, you know, first and foremost, does who wins this game? And then I'm gonna ask you kind of what do you think is the difference maker in this game? What decides it for you? Kendall, I'll let you go first. Um 
I hate to say it, but right now I'm just kind of sitting until I see more out of our offense. Um, it's kind of hard to pick Tech to win this game, especially after kind of what happened last year. <clears throat> Even though Texas obviously wasn't that great of a team last year, they still made us look silly. Um, so until our offense kind of proves me wrong, which I really I'm hoping they do, uh, I do think Texas will come out with a win. And I think, but the difference to me on if Tech wins or loses is going to be quarterback play and offensive line play because, and those kind of go hand in hand with each other. But uh, I think our defense is fine. This defense ain't letting up 70 like last year. I would be shocked if this game honestly even gets into the 40s, much less uh, even close to 70 for, for Texas. But um, it doesn't matter how our defense plays if we can't put up points and can't put together solid drives because um, eventually the defense will get worn out if they're just continue to be on the field with our offense just kind of sputtering out continuously. Um, but I do think that we're going to keep this game competitive no matter what. I think every game that Tech plays this year will be competitive. Um, it's just a matter of if our – offense can really take a jump that they haven't shown since Shuck went out. Um, but right now I do think if we play like we did last week, I think uh, Texas will end up winning this one, but I do think it'll be very close. Jack, same question to you. So for me, a, a, it hinges on a couple of things. Uh, for me, uh, I think that if Overshone is – if his suspension is held up and he's out the first half, I think you have to take advantage of a missing star linebacker um, with your running backs and your tight ends. Uh, even maybe some crossing patterns through that area. Uh, Jalen Ford can't do the whole thing by himself. Um, I think you have to get your the ball to your playmakers quick if you're Texas Tech. Um Here's the thing, and I and I, I really liked what Kendall said about this. The best game that we've had all season has been against Murray State, obviously. But in the other two games, I just really haven't been that impressed on offense. I really haven't. Um, too many mistakes, too many turnovers. Um, yeah, we found a way to win against Houston. That was a gritty win. It, it looked good. It was a gritty win. I mean, I, I'm not saying the, the performance looked good, but uh, being able to hold on to a victory there was really nice to see. Um, I want to first say that Houston is not Texas. Texas has 52 four-star guys and seven five-star guys. Um I don't think Tex had 52 four-star guys play for the program in their history. If they have, forgive me, but it's something close to it. They And Texas has 52 four-stars on their roster today. Um, so, again, this is something that, and I, god damn, I hate picking the, I hate picking this game. Um but until I have to go with Kendall on this, and I, I think Texas is going to win just based on what I haven't seen on offense since Donovan Smith has taken over. It's just too many mistakes, and and 
bring it back to the point that you said earlier, Mike. If you continue to turn the ball over as much as you're doing it, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a win in Big 12 Conference play. And I think this might, unfortunately, might be the game, might be the straw that breaks the camel's back in this one. Because if you see another three-interception game, we're going to have to start talking about some other things. And... um going to have to start exhausting our full options back there at quarterback. But I, I, I think Tech does keep it close. Uh, I think our defense, once again, is going to keep us, keep us in this. Um, but I think it's going to be something similar to what you saw in Raleigh. I, I, I think it's going to be something similar in the way that, uh, you know, our defense is saving our ass, but our offense is going three and out, and our defense can't catch a break to stay on the sideline and get a little bit of a breather, and they just get worn down. Uh, by the end of the third for, or start of the fourth quarter, and I think Texas pulls away right there. I said it last week. I can't pick against Tech until they give me a reason to. They gave me a reason to last week. You're just you you don't have the offense until Shut gets back. Um, I'd love to be wrong here. Um, you know, I I would love to be wrong. But if you want the smart pick, it is to take Texas. Now I'm going to take Tech here. I'm going to put my money down on Tech because I think that you know why not. Right, I, I don't want to see a situation in which Texas gets back to prominence right before the SEC jump and goes and romps. Right, like I want to believe that what we've seen from Texas is flash in the pan. So I'm going to take Tech, but you know, if you're a betting man, I would I would take Texas. How Tech can win this game is it, pretty simple, right? Like if how Texas can get beat is one if Hudson Card's playing, get to him. Really, if Quinn Ewers is playing, get pressure home. You pressure those two guys, I think you can make you can make Texas struggle. Two, contain Bijan. You're not going to stop him, contain him. Keep him off of those 60, 70-yard runs. He's going to average four or five yards a carry. Okay, live with that. But keep him from busting the big one. Stay sound fundamentally, stay in your lanes. How else can you beat Texas? Attack them on the ground. You have to get aggressive on the ground. You have to get aggressive on the ground. Um, you have to trust Donovan Smith to use his legs. You have to trust your backs to make plays. And then lastly, you just have to call a good game. I think Tim DeRuiter's called a great game all three games. Kitley called a good game, a great game against Murray State. He called a mediocre game against Houston. He called a bad game against NC State. We need to see him call a good game. If he, if he trusts his team, if he puts them in the best position and they execute, Tech can beat Texas. This is not you know, a national title caliber Texas team. This is not a Texas team that I think will seriously compete for the Big 12 title. But this is a good Texas team. And if you want to beat a good team, you have to play really well. You're at home. I'm going to put Tech winning this one just off of because why the hell not. Um, I'm going to say if they're going to get this done, it's got to be relatively low scoring. Let's say Tech takes it 34-28 in a, a hotly contested battle. But I think we can all agree here, this one's going to be a fight. And that's, you know, part of why you bring in McGuire is that instead of a 70-30 game like last year, you get these tight contests. Texas is playing confident. Tech is reeling a little bit. It's time to regroup and it's time to punch him in the mouth. You're back home in safety. Guys, this is Texas's first trip. You know, if you're wondering, you, you saw what happened to Tech going on the road for the first time in a hostile environment. I, I, Carter Friendly is a great venue. The Jones is meaner. It is one of the meanest venues to go play in, period. Hopefully the fans will stay the whole time. I'm hoping the weather cooperates and it's not brutally hot so the stadium stays full. If you have the opportunity to go, if you're a student, drink some damn water, stay at the game. 
I will be there huddled underneath the hydration zone for part of that game. So, uh, yeah, I'll be in Lubbock this weekend. If anyone else is going to be in Lubbock, hit me up on either the Hub City account or my personal one. Yeah, for say hi to Jack if you see him or just catch him. You know, it, it, it's a good opportunity to, to to pick his brain a bit if you run into him. But yeah, if you're there with Jack, Jack will be there till the end of the game unless this turns into an absolute romp. So you should be there too. Stay there. There'll be hydration. Um, I think you can get waters cheap if you don't have one and then refill them. Really, all the concessions are cheap now besides beer. So stay at the game. Be early. Be loud. Be there the whole game we cannot keep having the stadium empty in the third quarter because that's when your team needs you most when they're starting to get a little tired that's what gives them the surge to keep pushing so that's my two cents on that wreck them guys hopefully our next this is episode 51 hopefully the next one of the 49 episodes are as good as the last 49 and we can continue onward with the podcast. Um, hopefully we'll be circling back on next Monday with Reed. He wasn't able to make it tonight. I was here with Jack and Kendall. Hopefully we'll be discussing a win. When did we start Big 12 play 1-0? The first Big 12 game of the McGuire era this Saturday. It'll be on, um, I think it's ESPN2 has the broadcast. I think it's, just normal, I think it's normal ESPN. I think. Let's see here. You may be right. I want to confirm that real quick before we sign off because that would be good to know. Yeah, we do have normal ESPN at 2.30, um, which enjoy, by the way. Next week, we're back on ESPN Plus, which the quality has gone from shit to absolute trash fire. So, you know, we're, we're going to get one good broadcast out of this. So 2.30, if you're one recommendation, guys, for those of you who love to tailgate before games, who love to get really, really drunk, eat something. It, it, it's a sim- it doesn't sound like it. it's not life-changing. Eat something before you go to the stadium. You'll be less likely to pass out. You'll feel better. Um, you can enjoy being drunk a bit more without getting sick and nauseous and lightheaded. Eat a little something. There's going to be plenty of food. Enjoy the live music. Have a good time. Stay for the whole game. Wreck'em, guys. Horns down. Enjoy Texas Hate Week and enjoy the game on Saturday.